So last time we had talked about uh, questioning authority uh, when it comes to what, like medical advice, and which was seemingly current because of what we're dealing with right now in the world with coronavirus. And then, well, conveniently, since that time, we now have an entirely new movement, the uh, the Black Lives Matter thing, which was uh, has has been a thing for a while, but obviously there's been an explosion recently due to some events, let's say. So, following our previous conversation in, in episode one, um, I threw the question up to Reddit, specifically on Ask an American. Uh, the question was, fellow Americans... Do we put medical professionals on too high of a pedestal? Um, and then in the comments, I said, I had a couple of conversations with a fe- some fellow Americans, and both of them felt pretty similar to me and that we believe that Americans are very quick to listen to what a medical authority has to say without verifying the facts for ourselves. Do you guys agree? And then in the edit, I said, when I say verifying the facts, I am referring to looking at second opinions and at peer-reviewed research, not looking at health forums where people aren't professionals, people who aren't professionals give their two cents. Like Reddit. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like exactly what we're doing right now. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, before we even go into the comments, I just wanted to mention that, at least from what I can tell, I'm not super good with Reddit. But from what I can tell, you cannot tell how many upvotes and downvotes a post gets. You only get the total number. So with that said, so it says I have, so with that said, I have one upvote for this post, 52% upvoted and there's 48 comments. Yeah. It got, no, it got some good activity. It got a lot of activity, even though there's only one upvote, but it was controversial. And that's why I'm assuming 52% upvoted means 48 percent of the people who read this downvoted it which is kind of good because we're looking for controversial topics and the statement here is do we put medical professionals on too high of a pedestal and if everyone agreed that wouldn't be good for our case i think well you know the reason why you asked this question was like you had said in the first episode we talked about that question of authority so in, in in this specific instance, we're talking about doctors. So our our doc we we talked about previously, you know, we know that well, you and I, <laughs> this is the belief that we have that that doctors aren't always gonna be a hundred percent correct uh all the time. So that doesn't mean that we distrust the medical community, but it means that we have to have a level of well, just be reasonable because you can't expect anyone in any industry, even experts, to always be right. So it's less of we're questioning the industry and more we're just tossing it up to individuals just being imperfect. So that's where I think this discussion stems from on our side. But obviously, there are people with a lot stronger opinions than than us. So, you know, just looking at the first comment, it says, can doctors make mistakes? Yes. Do they train for years in order to save your life and generally improve your health? Also, yes. So that seems like a pretty reasonable opinion, right? Most doctors are well-educated and to an extent know what they're doing, but absolutely they're going to make mistakes. So I think that's a, a reasonable opinion to have. And, you know, it the opinions vary 
we had a couple extreme ones uh, on there. If I, if I can find one specifically, but they're they're Oh, here we go. One of them said, this is how we get anti-vaxxers. Listen to your doctor's people. They'll be the one with the cool looking medical school degree hanging on their wall. The one you don't have. So like, <laughs> I'm not questioning that. I have a degree. You have a degree. We understand the point of degrees. We understand the point of education and, and getting formally trained to do these things. And even respond to that saying, I don't disagree. Like they are more educated, but simply having a healthy level of criticism to things doesn't mean you distrust everything that's coming from that end. And that is part of the reason why I ended up putting that edit up there. Cause I think in my original in the original version of the post, it might've seemed like I had a more strong opinion than I did. So that's why, you know, verifying facts again, we're referring to peer reviewed research not just going to like some random holistic health forum and being like, right. What are some, what, are, what's the best crystal I can use to heal my chakra? You know, like, right. How long do I stare <laughs> at the sun to fix my eyesight? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but yes, like you said, there's a lot of strong opinions. There's a couple of strong opinions in the other direction as well, too. The ones I saw were generally more, I guess the word would be conservative and right wing and that they, or like trust the system, trust the doctors. Here we go. Uh, it it's actually in the same thread of this is how we get anti-vaxxers. Listen to your doctors, people. Says, uh, yeah. Let's t- toss his name out here. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'll I'll cut that actually. Let's uh, and an Well, he listen. He posted it online. What? <laughs> it's true, public. True. True. But you know, he he might not have expected it to get onto. One of the most famous podcasts in America. Yeah, we just blasted him to like 4.7 million people. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. So he says, BS, doctors make so many mistakes with like three, four, three, three O's. So many mistakes if they're not caught. Literally one of the first things they teach nurses in school is to double check a doctor's order for things that don't make sense for the person. Like you wouldn't give a person who is hyperkalemic potassium Hmm, my lack of a degree is starting to show here yet you might get a doctor doing so some doctors might even prescribe a medication that they don't even fully understand if you want any more proof to understand why you shouldn't take a doctor's word face value is that if a medication error occurs a nurse will be just as implicated legally in it as much as the doctor is doctors are smart but do not but are not all-knowing beings who know what is ultimately best for you. I advocate for studying your convi- condition so you are knowledgeable. They they started one way and then I think calmed it down. Like yes, through the they comment. calmed down halfway through. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. And then someone else said something interesting that I haven't fact-checked. In fact, let me see if I can find it so I can I can quote him correctly. It was regarding the percentage of people who die each year. Here it is. Maybe I'll bleep that out too. He says, always get a second opinion from another doctor because medical mistakes are the third leading cause of death in America. Mm. And he has a link there. Mm. I'm going to click. Yeah, we'll, have to, we'll have to look at that. Let's click the link. So CNBC. The third leading cause of death in America most doctors don't want you to know about. That sounds so clickbaity. Like, even if it seems legitimate in that article, I almost don't want to believe it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anything that someone doesn't want you to know about, immediate clickbait. Let's see. 
It starts off with a huge anecdote. So that's that's sketchy. Uh, sadly, Emily's case is not unique. According to a recent study by Johns Hopkins, Johns Hopkins, I can speak English, I swear, guys. More than 250,000 people in the United States die every year because of medical mistakes, making it the third leading cause of death after heart disease and cancer. That's interesting. Um, other studies have even higher figures, which is also interesting. Of course, this is a funny way of looking at things, considering a doctor's mistake, quote unquote, could be mis- misdiagnosis. So, well, like. Yeah, like, does that qualify as them trying to save you and they just can't because you're just going to die no matter what they do? Does that qualify as a mistake or is that just, you know, you were too lost at that point? Right. Or like, or like, uh, let's say a doctor thinks you have uh, pneumonia, but you actually had severe bronchitis without pneumonia and you died because of the bronchitis. I, I don't know. I'm just making this up. Like, right. Does that qualify as a mistake or? Yeah, the doctor made a mistake. He made a mistake that maybe he could have cured you if he knew what it was, but it's still the bronchitis that killed you, not the doctor. I'm sure that's getting included. I'm positive. Anyways, it does serve the... It does help our argument. I just don't know if I'm very confident in it. It says the study was released in 2016. It was based on 35 million hospitalizations. There was a pooled incidence rate of 251,454 deaths per year, or about 9.5% of all deaths that stemmed from medical error. Does that mean they took every single death in which there was a medical error along the way? Or... Right. What if this person got, you know, misdiagnosed as mesothelioma, and then a week later, they they got the correct diagnosis, and then he died? Right. Uh, does that count? I don't know. I don't know. I can see a lot of... There's a lot of room here for, like, subjectivity. I think mm-hmm. is what we're getting at. So it is interesting though. It is interesting. And I don't think this is insignificant, but maybe third leading cause of death might may or may not be accurate. I don't know. Well, it's food for thought. I think people, a lot of people want to, what I found often, Oh, the AC just kicked on. So Mike might've picked that, but Oh, well, listen, <laughs> we're, we're also working remotely from home guys. So <laughs> it's not, yes. it's not going to be perfect. Uh, yeah, you know, we, we can't get to our studio right now. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So what I've found <laughs> often, especially with America, is that people like to have someone to point their finger at. And it's they like to they like to find blame in others instead of themselves. Now, that's not to say that, you know, you are the source of all of your own problems. But it's easy to point your finger at an entire organization, a nameless organization, and point your finger at them and say, you guys are the problem. You're the reason why. You know, that's a lot easier than taking into account your own responsibility. So in this instance, it's easy to say, oh, well, you know, the doctors should be perfect. They're doctors. They should know everything. I'm sick. Why? You know, there has to be some leeway. These people are imperfect, just like you and I. If if you're a carpenter, are, are you always going to make perfect cuts every single time? You know, if you're a programmer, are you going to execute your code, compile it correctly the first try? Practically never. So just like a doctor, you know, I know with, with me, with, with my line of work, 
the degree just taught me how to learn things. It taught me how to find resources, how to improve myself, and how to learn. So with doctors, they can't memorize every single disease name. They'll become more familiar over time and get get better. But when they get out of that school, they're not experts. They they still have to do research just like us. So when they receive these symptoms, it's just they know how to do that research a little bit better than we do. And I think that that is a point that was brought up in the commentary was was the fact that they are better able to do research, even if they don't know something. You know, they've Mm -hmm. got better resources at hand. Um, They understand the terminology better. Right. They're taught how to think. That's that's one of the biggest things in any industry. When you get into that industry and you're trained formally, you're not always told every single bit. Like it's not hand fed to you. There are a lot of times they teach you how to teach yourself and teach you how to think. So these doctors, they just know how to how to think properly in medical terms and how to approach these situations better than someone off the street would. You know, they they know the right questions to ask. They throw in an anecdote there as like a caveat to the whole idea of that they're taught how to think. Uh, that can be a good thing, but that can also work against them. Um. And the anecdote I have in mind is my mom, uh, you know, she broke her leg slash ankle mm-hmm. ankle a while back and she was on the scooter thingy and then she got off the scooter thingy and then um, maybe like six months after that, she woke up with a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. And so she went back to the doctor and they did an x-ray and there was this fine straight line straight across one of the bones that had previously been broken. So, you know, the doctor looks at that line. He's like, you've got another fracture. You've got to get all your weight off that foot. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, she was going to a Chinese doctor, quote, quote, quote unquote. Hmm. Not even quote, unquote. He was straight up Chinese. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so a quote holistic unquote, doctor, is ref- quote, unquote. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's referring That's to what... the fact that he's, he's, he's not a he's not a big subscriber to Western medicine. Yeah. Uh, so she went to him and he looked at her and he was like, that makes no sense. I'm looking at your ankle right now and it's swollen. And then she's like, yeah, it's swollen. It hurts. And then like he moved, he, he used, he like without her permission, practically, he grabbed her foot and just like moved it. And then he was like, did that hurt? And she was like, not really. And then she's like, well, your leg's not broken. I don't know why they told you that, but that's a lie. You need to put you need to start using this foot again because the longer you have your weight off this foot, the worse it's gonna get. My mom's a nurse. Uh you know, so obviously she's a subscriber to Western medicine herself. So like she pretended to listen to him, but she got home and she kept using the scooter. And maybe two or three weeks later, they did another x ray on her and the line was gone, and the doctor was like this was really quick for a bone to have healed and maybe it wasn't broken at all to begin with. Going back to like how they're trained, how to think. I do think that Western doctors are trained to trust their instruments over common sense. So you're saying seeing that line in the x-ray as opposed to just grabbing the foot and being like, well, if you can move this, it's not broken. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think I do think Western doctors trust their instruments a lot more than eastern doctors anyways Mm -hmm. and i think i think there's lots of benefits and i think there's downsides to it and i think this anecdote pointed out a possible downside to that in that you know he's looking at the picture 
So he doesn't feel the need to look at the foot. I see what you're saying. And I think, obviously, in the perfect world, you want a balance. You'd mm-hmm. like to have a balance where that doctor might walk in first and they'll just have that conversation with you. Well, how do you feel? How's walking? And they'll just like, well, walk over here. Do this with your foot. And to see how that goes, he's like, huh. Well, and then they do the x-ray. And so it's like, don't... Maybe that doctor walked in with an opinion already. Maybe already thinking, yeah. well... In that specific scenario, the, the doctor may have been thinking, well, it's better to play it safe, especially because this shell already had broken it, and we definitely don't want there to be another bad break consecutively when they thought it was healed. So, you know, that doctor may have just been thinking that scenario, let's just be super conservative and not have her place weight on it. Whereas the other doctor may not have had the history with her to say, well... I don't know the the previous history of you with your foot. I don't know what happened to in the past. And he was just walking out and was just like, ah, well, looks like it moves. You're good. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's. I'm sure it's a case-by-case scenario, yeah. She had been visiting him b- before she even broke her leg the first time around. So he did have to... But I will say, uh, he probably also had the preconceived notion that the Western doctor was wrong. Sure, yeah, yeah. He's definitely the kind of guy to uh, to trash on Western doctors when he gets the chance. Have you ever gone to a chiropractor? I have not. I have not. Um, I have heard mixed reviews on the scientific community about chiropractors. Well, chiro- chiropractic practice in itself, I, I have no issue with. I think it's great. Uh, I go to a chiropractor. Uh, I haven't been there recently, but I used to go on a regular basis because I used to have a slightly misaligned uh, neck and that really improved a lot for me. It, it got rid of a lot of pain for me. So it was great. So, I mean, I have nothing against chiropractors. And I think, obviously, you know, just from tension or whatever the case may be, there might be slight misalignments or of tense muscles and they'll break that stuff down. So that's great. But then there's the other side of the chiropractors where you have the ones who say that, oh, you have a cold? It's because this one vertebrae is misaligned your back. Let me fix that. (laughs) <laughs> and then they jump in and do uh-huh. it and then they're like well you didn't get better oh that's because you got something else wrong with you you know there are some who legitimately believe that everything stems from the spine where literally every piece of your life is from that so right, could right. there be some level of correlation who knows that's why it's that's why no one really that has i mean i'm sure it's been studied to a degree but like chiropractors are those are the ones who just buy into it a lot of times yeah yeah it's like, um, I forget the name. Oh, reflexology. Reflexologists mm-hmm. and like, you know, oh, you've got a migraine. Well, you need to uh, massage your pinky toe some more, you know? Right. Stuff like right. that. Well, it's like, why Why does Vicks on my feet help me sleep at night when, I, when I'm all <laughs> stopped, like, stopped up in my nose? <laughs> like, why does the sock and the Vicks, why does it work? <laughs> but that's a horrible example. But my point is... A chiropractic practice is a good example of where you're seeing different sides of the community, I think. You you got the ones who are really holistic and they're anti-Western doctors. Like I, Even the chiropractor I went to, he was against a lot of Western medicine, but he wasn't on that far end of the spectrum where he wasn't very aggressive in the adjustments that he gave me. He was very minimalistic. Like he wouldn't touch mm-hmm. anything outside of 
my spine. Like he wouldn't adjust my, uh, my hands, my arms, my legs. And there are chiropractors who will adjust every single piece of your body. Mine didn't do that. So, I mean, every individual is different. They're all, all these guys go in there with opinions. They go to school, they get these and they walk out. They're like, well, I'm going to do what I set out to do from the beginning. Most of the time, I think. So here's another one. I definitely don't think they know everything. My co-worker's doctor didn't even tell her that her kidneys were not doing well, since he was concentrating more on her blood pressure. She didn't find out until it was too late, and now she's on dialysis, hoping to get a transplant. Doctors are humans, and I would get a second opinion if something didn't feel right. But for the most part, they know what they're doing, and I trust them. Um, This is another criticism I've heard from like Eastern Easterners in general and people who are more into eastern style medicine is that like western medicine has these like predetermined numbers mm-hmm. and if you fit these numbers you're good and if you don't fit these numbers you're gonna die and sure. there's not much room in between in like the standard and of course you'll, you'll you'll meet doctors that recognize that that's that's not how that's not how the world works right but you will meet doctors that like Oh, your blood pressure is low. You need blood pressure medication. Oh, your mm-hmm. blood pressure is high. You need blood pressure medication. Even if that person's had that same blood pressure their entire life without any health effect. And I myself, I th- I think I've always favored doctors that weren't quick to write prescriptions. I- I've always favored those kinds of doctors. Uh, I try not to get a prescription for every minor thing ever. Like every time I have a headache, I, I don't always take Tylenol or something. I'll you know, drink water or give it time or so I'm not so I try not to be someone who's quick to to take medication. And you'll recognize doctors who are quick to write prescriptions. And I don't know if it's because obviously there's the money aspect, but I, I genuinely think that there are some doctors who have just given in to society, especially our society in America, where so many people are medicated. So many people are walking around with so many different medications they take. So they just given in and they assume that this person, when they tell them they have a problem, that they want a medication. And if you don't give it to them, they're going to stop coming to you or say something bad about you or whatever the case may be. So I, I wonder how many of them simply give medications so quickly because they assume that's what the patient wants. And there's a, there's a balance where they want to please their patient, but they want to do the right thing. So it's, it's tough. I would not want to be in that doctor's shoes. Yeah, so, so I'm not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything to add to this topic? Uh, not a whole lot. I think, well, we, I think we were being able to dodge a lot of these coronavirus <laughs> conspiracies. Uh, maybe we can avoid talking about that. We can if you want. Sur- and there's a lot of conspiracies I mean- we can talk. There's a lot of, that's a dark hole we can <laughs> we can go down. It is. It is. Um, I I I can't help but feel like that the listener has probably heard all of them by now. But yeah, I might just be projecting because I've heard all of them by now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm kind of tired of it too. I I, I I almost prefer at this point just ignoring what's going on with the media because I I agree. I think the average person has heard enough about that. So let's talk about something else. As you know, this show is just starting out right now, so we'd appreciate it if you guys would leave a review telling us, uh, did you like the show? Did you hate the show? Let us know. You can post the reviews in on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you listen to your podcast. 
I've collected some names. I've re reached out to some people. So hopefully we will have an expert come in that we can interview about the Spinosaurus quandary sooner rather than later. But in the meantime, I did post a question on Reddit, on the paleontology subreddit, actually. And this one was much less controversial. I had 44 upvotes and it was 93% upvoted. So mm -hmm. yay. <laughs> the question is, is the question, was Spinosaurus a quadruped still up for debate? If so, what are some peer-reviewed resources arguing each side? I've been seeing paleo art of four-legged Spinosaurus for a long time now, but I remember for a while it was a controversial stance. A friend of mine and I want to do a couple of podcasts about it, but I'm not really sure what peer-reviewed material I should look at first. Any help would be appreciated. Thank you. So, I really like the first comment. <laughs> the top I, comment. I, <laughs> yes. <laughs> at this point, the real question is, was Spinosaurus even a dinosaur? <laughs> I don't know, man. I really don't. <laughs> Spinosaurus was a direct ancestor of humans, an alternate branch through the Metreon. <laughs> now, <laughs> I love the conviction of this one person saying, Spinosaurus is for sure a biped. Its arms weren't strong enough to hold its weight up. And with the new tail making it the second heaviest carnivore, it just adds up to the point. Unless it wants to break its arms, it was 100% a bipedal walker. Yeah. And then I, I commented by saying, why, why are all these paleo artists then drawing it as a four-legged animal? And I didn't mention this part, but like, why are there so many museums that have the bones depicted as four-legged now? Um, right. No, there's been a shift, obviously. Yeah, it's 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 they originally believed it was bipedal but obviously that, that's changed in recent times since jurassic park essentially yeah someone commented in response to this guy's comment about it being for sure biped and he said what arms there's no known arms for spinosaurus only a couple of finger bones we do have arms of other spinosaurus those are unusually robust for a theropod I don't think Spinosaurus was a quadruped, but you need to argue with actual evidence. <laughs> I like this guy. <laughs> He's questioning everything. <laughs> I like it. Because it's true. That's a good point. I'm glad he said that. They have no known arms. Just finger bones. So I'm sure that other person will argue, well, from the fingers, you can tell the size of the arms. or, But we don't know. That's the point. That's literally the point. We don't know. Anything at this point is just speculation. Another person answered and said, unfortunately, it's all over the place, but for paleontology in general, and then he goes on to give like different links about the, the topic and uh, basically the more moderate comments were saying that it's still up for debate and paleontologists haven't come to a strong conclusion one way or the other. Um, and that that kind of goes along with what we were saying that paleontologists themselves aren't the ones making these firm uh these firm convictions about how these animals were and it's in fact it's the paleo artists or whoever's the one that's putting together the bones at the museum that's creating these strong uh mental images in people's heads yeah I mean, unfortunately, I don't have very much to add because we don't have enough information to go off of. That's why we we want That's some peer-reviewed papers. Yeah, and we, we want to talk to someone who 
is an expert, quote unquote. <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to hit some of the stuff on this uh, on the show notes? Sure, hit me with a let's go, let's go with a, a shorter question, relatively. Okay, Levi, if you could pick any time period to live in, what would it be? Uh, I enjoy the controversy of modern times. I enjoy the hate. I enjoy no. Uh, <laughs> let me think. Well, that's a that's an interesting question. I can tell you when I wouldn't want to live. I wouldn't want to live in the dark ages. So that, yes, or essentially any time after 500 AD before 1500. So that's dark ages plus some. I wouldn't want to live during any of that time. A because you got a cold and you were dead. Just health issues were <laughs> were a real issue. Uh. Health issues were an issue. Yeah, health issues were an issue. Who knew? Intelligence, <laughs> for some reason, seemed like it went backwards. Like, there were functional plumbing systems in in, in Rome, Greece, and various uh, various cities. But then it's just Dark Ages come and everyone just became dumb. They're like, well, I guess we should go back to pooping in a, a hole and covering it up again. But <laughs> for some reason, it seems like people just really went backwards. Now, there were few standout individuals during those times. You know, like one of the few, uh, Sir Isaac Newton comes to mind of someone who you can pick him out of his, his time period as being smarter and seemed like he was more with it than everybody else. What year was Isaac Newton alive? Do you remember? That's a great question. And I feel like an idiot because I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's confirm that this is before 1500 is it definitely before 1500 well that's still even but well he, i think he's a good example because he was so smart for his time well another obvious example is galileo even though that's technically that's after 1500 but that still is a great example of where these were geniuses who were rejected by society we recognize them now as intelligent individuals but at the time they were they were shunned you know, Isaac yeah, Newton, yeah. he he was a religious man, but he still believed in science and he was denied by the church. He was, uh, wasn't he put under house arrest for a time? Uh, that sounds familiar. Don't quote me on yeah, it. Yeah, don't quote me on that either. But there was some shady stuff, point being. Uh, that's my point. Uh, so mm -hmm. there were intelligent individuals. That's my point. There were intelligent individuals. I'm not denying that because someone will say, oh, but this guy from 1100 was really smart. Okay. Yes, there were smart people, but society as a whole kind of was stagnant during the dark, the dark ages. That's why they were called the dark ages. It was dark times. It sucked. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> wouldn't want to, unless you're in Asia, Asia was thriving. Uh, am I correct? For, them, True. for a good once, portion of once, it. Uh, once Genghis Khan finished doing all his right all his fun, fun stuff, stuff. <laughs> and everything calmed down a bit yeah right. things were pretty nice over there for a time right so that's mostly europe that sucked but so i wouldn't want to live then um it, i really wouldn't be very interested in living in ancient times i don't know what, what do you think is there a time period that you would want to live in there's something charming about like 1500s, 1600s, 1700s. Um, but I mean, all your points are valid. Like, I don't want to get the flu and die. I don't want to get gangrene from like the city water 
or like you know like well this question uh, is is yeah would you want to live then so if i want if what if you just wanted to see a time period so let's say you don't live there let's say you see it what's the time period you want to see like i could go and see but like i am impervious to all damage and i don't have to worry about anything at all right oh dinosaurs forget the humans i'm going back to dinosaur times like you know what i think i'd have to agree with you i think my question's answered yeah like they can't eat me it's dinosaurs yeah okay so it's the dinosaurs and then if if you're not impervious you know i i have to agree with with what you're saying 1600s 1700s i've always liked colonial times in america i've always thought it was interesting Industrial Revolution in America wasn't that great, I don't think. Yeah, a lot of child labor, lots of... Oh, the whole 1800s, I wasn't that into. I would say mid-1900s might seem like an interesting time, because nothing mattered. You know, people just smoked and drank and <laughs> drove around and did stuff, and they are like, oh, life's great. And now we're paying <laughs> for the sins of those people, but, you know... <laughs> But it seemed That's like true. everything was perfect in those times, mid twentieth century. You know, post World War Two. Like, wow, the the biggest war the world has ever seen is over. And obviously, there was some recovery time from that. But so, like, say, well, there. I mean, they did have to deal with the whole like Cold War and like constant fear of nukes going off. Here's here's a question I have. A lot of people who lived during that time say that that. Obviously, there was constant fear and anxiety from that. But is it any different than what we're, we've been experiencing now? Was it so bad just because that had never been a thing before? Whereas nowadays, all the time, we're thinking about war. We're thinking about, oh, Russia's going to bomb us or North Korea or wherever the case may be. And the virus that we're dealing with now, like we're dealing with so much at once. I take the, I'll take the Cold War. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you'll take the Cold War because you know how it ended. Sure, but at that time, all you had to worry about was the Cold War. Uh, civil rights movements. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, that's true. You know, like, I don't know how it was at the time, but, like, I could see a scenario where, like, they had no idea which direction the civil rights movement would actually go. Like, they didn't know if the civil rights movement were even going to be successful or not. That's true. Uh, you never think about that, that that's how bad things were, that that had to be such a big movement you're like it had to be a thing in order for just that such a simple thing as just treating people the way you want to be treated and and you know obviously we're focusing on american history here because we're both in the in the united states um um sometimes i think about that and how late the united states was to like equal rights and how late the united states was to abolishing slavery and stuff like that we're still paying f- well i say we i mean yeah. america america's still paying for it today obviously it, yeah they just you know like just i don't want to say they're behind but they're behind we're, we're behind by like we're like 20 years or something more the slavery thing they were behind by like 50 years or it's a scary thing to think about that you know, you and I, because we're, we're we're of a younger generation, we never saw that time where, you know, where where an African American couldn't use the same bathroom as as a, a white American. So it's we're we're not oblivious, 
but we only know what we've been taught and what we've been told. We didn't live mm. it. But it's so scary to think that just our grandparents were living in a time where things were so divided. It, it, that's how soon it was. That's how close to it we are. And, and yeah. you know, the slavery, it's, it's, we're only, you know, 150 years. It's not that much. We, we think of this as such a long time ago, but it's so close. And it, it just, it makes, makes things so weird. That it's like, why as human civilization did it take so long for something so, so dumb? I don't, you know, I don't know I how know. to describe it. No, it's true. It's true. It's true. Um, let me let me look up the the, the years actually. Okay, so the 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 closest analog I could think to the United States culturally was England, and England abolished slavery in 1834 and then it took 36 years for united states not 36 32 years for united states to finally come up to speed with that Mm -hmm. um that's crazy yeah like that's crazy to me uh and so let me check colombia too colombia abolished slavery in 1850 a full 15 years before united states did Mm-hmm. Um, part of the reason I think that's the case, I think that United States can be behind, quote unquote. Uh, I, I, it isn't even quote unquote; like it's it's literally behind uh, other countries is because of how geographically isolated, even now, but especially back then, mm-hmm. United States was. Sure. Like, yeah, that makes sense. It's a massive country, and most of the people especially at that time, lived on the East Coast, mm-hmm. which is so far away from any other civilization. Like, Canada. They were closest to, like, Canada. But, like, how long of a trek was it from Pennsylvania to Mexico? Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Forget forget a, trying to get to Europe. I think part of the reason why why the United States has been slower to, and not just stuff like this, but, like, other stuff, too. Other, like, funny cultural things that the United States just does the way Europe did 30 years ago. It's because of like that lack of communication between the two that especially back then, but even now to a degree. Well, now it's, it's, it's almost like, because it's the melting pot of culture that America has that it's weird to say, but I almost think that, I mean, America does have a reputation. America does have a culture Especially, and you recognize that when you leave America, that's the only time you really know about that. Because when you're in America, we're very divisive. You know, we don't, no one claims to be American when you're in America. They're always like, oh, I'm, I'm Italian. I'm Italian American. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm Puerto Rican. I'm German. I'm, I'm, I'm from somewhere else. But then when we leave America, we're like, you know what? I'm actually American because I go to (laughs) my home country and I'm nothing like these people. And they tell yeah. you that to your face. No, you're American. Yeah. So yeah. it's Americans have this issue with identity. And it's almost because there's a lack of unity. That Because I think it lends to what you're saying is because it's so vast, because there's so many different experiences across the size of the country, you're getting such a variation of opinions. What mm. someone may be experiencing in New England it's going to be vastly different than that of someone in Texas. There's different lifestyles, different geography. You know, one 
obviously is closer to Mexico, one isn't. So, you know, the the whole immigration thing, most of those people in New England probably couldn't care any less. Like, why does that matter to me? That's not a problem for me. I don't know what you're talking about. But those who live in southern United States, they deal with it. So, there's a lot of things, a lot of factors, yeah. Something that I... I can't say I firmly believe this, but I do think it's an interesting uh, way of thinking is that systemic issues typically have a systemic cause. So uh, let's say, let's say like, for example, like what we're talking about now, like the United States is 20, 30 years behind in abolishing slavery from the rest of the world. Like, okay, you could say, oh, it's because Americans are terrible and it takes 30 years for them to, to see the light. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, okay, sure. If you want to feel like, sure. But mm-hmm. isn't it more, is it what's more likely an entire country of people that are just terrible or there's something more systemic. There's something more environmental that is leading to the problem. And so one reason I don't like this point of view is because it feels like you're, taking the responsibility away from the people. But a reason why I do like this point of view is because it offers a, it offers a lens in which you can actually look for solutions. So just saying everyone sucks in America. Like how how do you, how do you fix that? How how do you, what does that mean? First off? And how do you fix that? You like, you're not going to fix that. Everyone in America is disconnected from the rest of the world because of communication barriers. Well, now, now we've we've got a direction to work in. We, you know, you want to fix a problem, maybe you work on better communication with the rest of the planet. Um, this isn't a great example. I think I see what you're saying, and it, right. So instead of just saying America sucks or America's wrong, you can look for like I guess I can see what you're saying. Look for the systemic problems that lead to the issues we're having. But the problem is, I think the 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 root causes are so ingrained in how america was built uh, so to give an example say a, a point we've talked about previously here on this podcast is media so this issue that we have with the media now we're not like countries who have communist governments and dictators where they filter everything we hear that's not an issue here if anything our issues we get too much well why do we get too much is it because we live in a capitalistic society that encourages competition where these media outlets are trying to get our attention trying to make money you know it's but then you try to you try to stop that then you're gonna have to stop something much deeper which is just capitalism so there there's things that theoretically could be solved but people wouldn't like the solutions to them you know yeah i'm not an advocate yeah. for, for communism or socialism or any of this i'm not that's not what i'm trying to get at here i'm just my, my point being you know in order to make that maybe maybe there are solutions but it's not the popular solution sure sure yeah and and, and you know the the easy answer may just be oh well everyone should should agree Everyone should just, you know, do the right thing. Well, right is subjective, yeah, but like that's subjective. I, I, and, again, and like that's that's a solution. That's like that's a false solution. Like everyone should just do the right thing. Great. 
go ahead. You get everyone right to do yeah. the right thing. Let me see what your yeah, right like, thing is. You know? Yeah, like it's a it's a it's a non solution. With the with your example with the media, um I saw a YouTube video a while ago, uh where and it was like during like the Ebola craze mm-hmm. and a guy took news from the United States. So like us, uh, you know, stuff from CNN and Fox, uh, different reports. And then that same report being uh, shown on BBC mm-hmm. and how like the E the Ebola outbreak was the worst thing to have ever hit, uh, Africa. And they're expecting it to spread across the entire world within two months and then on BBC, it's like Ebola seems to be spiking in this city, that city, and that city. <laughs> um, we've had two cases in all of Europe, um, and that's it. And then they move on to other stuff. So, and then you know the reason he gave behind it was what you're saying. All the media outlets here in the United States are privately owned and are competing for your attention. Um, fear is an excellent motivator. Mm-hmm for a person to keep watching the news. So the more afraid you can get your viewer, the more likely they are to tune into the next, the next uh, program to see if their fears were correct or not. Mm -hmm. BBC is publicly owned. It's, you know, it's government run. So they have no incentive to get you to keep watching. Their only incentive is here's the news. Relay some facts. Yeah. Relay some facts and move on. The issue then that that falls into, which I think you may end up pointing to anyway, is just then now you're relying on your government to be a correct source of information or that, that, right. that it's in their best interest for you to know these things, you know? Right. Which is great if your government is this uh, all-powerful, benevolent, never-wrongdoing entity, but there's no government that is all-powerful, all-knowing, and completely benevolent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> If there were one, we'd so, be there. <laughs> yes, yes. What's the saying? Uh, communism works if you have an all-powerful dictator that is all-knowing and benevolent. Hey, I've, I've, if you don't, I've always felt that. Then Com- it's not on paper, work. communism sounds great. <laughs> you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just good luck finding the right dictator right. to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of problems that require complicated solutions, solutions that just can't happen realistically and. And how, how the world is, you know, things may be, things may, uh, excuse me, get better, you know, over the course of such a long period of time, but what's it going to take? What's the cost? You know, it took so long for, just because we talked about today, for slavery to be abolished. And then it took so long for them to get the right to vote. Then it took so long just for them to be able to sit where they like to sit and and eat where they like to eat and walk where they like to walk so you know what's the next step you know how long do we have to wait between these things and then when you get there people still aren't happy about it and yeah that's the problem you know so yeah who's someone who, who wants to say that they believe in the in the right thing you know they wouldn't do you want to just eliminate all the people who disagree with you from society <laughs> that, that we're in some sort of a you know a hollywood movie if you do stuff like that you know it's true i i do continue to hold the position though that if united states had borders with europe and 
there was, you know, you know, free travel, easy travel to and from. I do think things would have happened faster because I think foreign thought process is a good catalyst for change. So you're saying America being cut off essentially from a lot of the world because it is quite segregated from the rest of the world. You know, we have two huge oceans in between the other major continents. Yeah. And then the only other major continent that we're connected to is hard to get to. So It's hard to get to, and there's a huge language barrier on top of that. Right, exactly. Europe is full of all these different cultures. Like, French are so different from Germans, who are so different from Italians. Mm-hmm. Yet, on most of these issues, they are all pretty in line with each other. And I think it's because they talk to each other. Most of them do speak English with each other. So even though they've got different cultures, one culture is in the perfect condition to come up with a good idea. And then they come up with that good idea and is able to spread quickly. United States, if some if a great idea comes up in Portugal, how, how long is it going to take before <laughs> that idea catches on here? Right. Like, you know, right. it's a United States is very much a feedback loop. It's like massive scale. It's like a massive scale subreddit where only like minded people are. And so you don't get any new ideas. You used to get the same ideas recycled over and over again. But if it shared more borders with more countries that it could communicate with, I don't think it'd be anywhere near as much of an issue as it is now. Well, you know, when Dwayne the Rock Johnson becomes president, we're not going to have to worry about that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) He will move the United States to Europe. (laughs) He will physically push it there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Well, you know, I just really would like to get a paleontology expert on here and we you know we can play good cop bad cop you can you can be the good cop because you're more knowledgeable so it's easier for me to be the bad cop and just get angry at everything they say no (laughs) 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 i don't want to i don't want to uh to discourage anyone who wants to get on the show no i I, we generally would like to just become more informed on on dinosaurs We, we like dinosaurs and for as much as people like dinosaurs, people know very little about them. What we know is from Jurassic Park and, well... Well, we know that's all true. Jurassic so. Park told me that a Spinosaurus was a biped, so... Right. <laughs> this is the mousetrap. And that's the cheese. <laughs>